1975 is an English pop band formed in 2002 with leading man Matty Healy, lead guitar Adam Hahn, bass Ross McDonald, and drums George Daniel. They created the band in high school and would perform songs. They did covers of songs that did pretty well around Newcastle, where the band grew up. They eventually got more gigs and record deals and started to develop a cult following. They are now becoming fairly popular in the US. Their music is frequently featured in shows and films in the US, and their tours here easily sell out arenas. Their sound is a mix of new wave 80s music with a bit of shoegaze as well. Today I have on Tyler Hawkins and Ben Stenberg as we discuss the band's influence on music in the US and what the band means to us in our own personal lives, and how it has influenced us personally. Here's another episode of Workshopping Humanity, where we discuss the cultural and philosophical elements of a piece of popular culture that has influenced our lives in one way or another. This is an episode of Workshopping Humanity. Welcome back to Workshopping Humanity. This is going to be episode two, and we're talking about the band The 1975. Today we have on two guests. We have on Tyler Hawkins, who is directing the film We Are... We Are... <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what is that called again? I can't think. <laughs> uh, this is our youth. This is our youth. Today we have on two guests. We have on Tyler Hawkins, who is directing the film This Is Our Youth, coming out this December. And he also hosts a sit-down podcast, which I'm a part of. Say hello, Tyler. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have drummer of Prismatics, Ben Stimberg. Hello. Yeah. So this is kind of a reunion for us because we did an episode on The Lodge for a sit-down. And we're all coming back together to talk about the 1975, which is a band that I know means a lot to all three of us. And we're going to get all into that today in this episode. And, you know, this is actually Ben's idea. He messaged me about this, and he thought this would be a cool idea. And it kind of actually branched out me thinking that this is only a film-centric podcast. And I was like, oh, we can talk about way more than just a movie. We can talk about music. We can talk about this popular culture in general. So I, I'm excited by that aspect of the show, and I'm, I'm excited to see how that works. So, um, but first... <laughs> But first, we're going to discuss, kind of all of us are going to discuss how we discovered the 1975 and why they have made an important impact on our life. So I'll let Tyler start on that. Oh, boy. Um, I found the 1975 in um, 2013, I think. Um, so the first album had just come out, and I was just hearing things about it, not hearing any songs or anything like that. So, I mean, this was this was like... Uh, deep into my tumblr days so i was just seeing a lot of these quotes and a lot of these um hashtags on on tumblr of the 1975 and um one of my friends was like hey you have to listen to this album um it is fantastic you gotta listen to it so i listened to it and um i liked it i thought it was i thought it was really cool um and you know, uh, there was a few standout songs on that one um, that really resonated with me, and I still like think of that time um, f- 
from those like few songs in that first album and I have like a memory for them um and then I just kind of like consistently like just listened to those few songs um until the second album came out and there that's kind of where I dropped off a, a tad bit I think I was getting into just other kinds of music um and it didn't really hit until um back uh I mean 2017-18 um must have been 2018 um where I found where they had just released or they were going to release uh their third album Brief Inquiry um and the singles were coming out <clears throat> and I decided to finally listen to it and yeah um I was blown away by everything they were doing on that album and so I went back and I listened to more of the uh, second album and I really really enjoy that second album uh, I think it means uh, more to me now and I'm still kind of getting into that but um, but yeah that's kind of where I started uh, with the 1975 and they kind of have just evolved um, in my mind consistently and as I mean, they're my favorite band of all time now. Awesome, that's great. And so, uh, Ben, give us some of your thoughts on how you first discovered the 1975. So I just I first discovered the 1975. That would have been my senior year of high school. Uh, so that was 2016, fall of 2016. And I was in the library, and somebody wrote on one of the tables, I love the 1975. And I didn't know what that was at first. And I looked it up and it was a band. And I thought it was so odd that a band would have the audacity to name themselves the 1975. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, why would you name yourself after a year? So then, long story short, uh, I looked the band up. And the first video that popped up was like, Teens React to the 1975. So I was like, yeah, yeah okay, I'll... I'll just look at this because it's high school and you watch a lot of crap like that. So I watched it and I was like, hey, this is, they're pretty good actually. And I listened to their first album and it kind of blew my mind because I was at a point in my life where I was kind of changing who I was as a person and my identity. I'd always been very much the type of guy that's like, uh, if you want to listen to good music, you don't listen to anything new. You got to listen to stuff from way back then, and then that's where all the good stuff is. So the 1975 was kind of the first actual modern band that I was like, hey, this is really, really good. And from then on, I've progressed into being a fan of modern pop music and knowing that there's really good stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'll talk about kind of how the 1975, I discovered them as well. It was around the same time that Ben had discovered them, probably, because you had told me about them, I remember, mm -hmm. and I, if you knew my musical taste when I was in high school or junior high, it consisted of either um, classical scores or soundtracks to movies or songs that came specifically from movies, like that was... 
that was where I was at, you know? And so I would always just kind of been like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Um, I saw this movie with my friend Jared Scott. There's a shout out to Jared. Um, called The Edge of Seventeen. Um, and the movie stars Haley Steinfeld. This is a very important movie to me. Because, number one, it made me realize that I was in love with Haley Steinfeld. And that hasn't um, changed in the last four years of my life. And uh, the movie is about this girl who is depressed. I mean, I don't know if necessarily depressed is the right word, but has a lot of anxiety towards her life and her future. And it's very much like a John Hughesy type of film, even though it more so explores kind of her mental health and the fact that she's having to take medicine for it and the fact that things worry her a lot, you know? And uh, I remember resonating with me a lot at the time because I never, I thought it was just very realistic and very, uh, I don't know, damning, honestly. And, uh, but I say all this because another really important aspect of that movie is that, again, like I said, I would just find songs from movies that I liked and just listen to the soundtrack to get the feeling of the movie I liked again. So I looked up the Edge of Seventeen soundtrack and um, somebody else from the 1975 was on it. And I listened to that song and I thought it was really cool and I listened to it a few times. It became the song that kind of became that movie for me. And that movie I thought about a lot during that time. And so I played that song a lot. And funny enough, I didn't even know where it was in the movie. So I rewatched the movie and it's like in one brief scene when she's in a hot tub with this guy and it plays for like maybe 15 seconds but it's on the soundtrack so there you go um but that was whenever I kind of figured out who these guys were and I remember oh yeah Ben talked about the 1975 before and uh so I was in a reading class my senior year of high school and I was reading the book Wonder for class and I decided that I'd want some music to listen to in the background, and I put on the first album as I read Wonder, which, by the way, is a really weird combination. <laughs> but um, it worked, man, because like, I love the book, and I love that album. And uh, that album very much became a staple part of what I listened to whenever I went to my first year of college, because college was kind of like especially the first semester was very lonely very alienating I thought like I was changing beyond my peers I was having to move on from these good times I had had the last part of my senior year and that's whenever I first discovered BoJack Horseman as well which is something that definitely defines that time but the first 1975 album I there's no telling how many times I listened to it and then of course I listened to um I like it when you sleep which I loved as well. So, like, those were both constant listens. And uh, around that time, A Brief Inquiry came out. And whenever The Brief Inquiry first came out, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, when it first came out, I remember being like, this is the greatest album of all time. They've done it. They've peaked. I don't have that opinion anymore, but I still really love that album. Um, but I'm sure we'll get all into that later. But, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. Um, so now I think we should just kind of talk about what our favorite 1975 songs are, what our favorite albums of theirs are, any hot takes about the 1975, um, why Shiny Collarbone is the best song ever recorded. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, oh boy. I was going to say, I have a really hot take about the new album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. I guess we'll start with that one. 
Uh, my, yeah, yeah. My hot take from the new album is that the best song is Roadkill. That is that is a steaming hot take. <laughs> I don't. Wow. I don't like hate that take though. What was that? I apologize if you heard that. <laughs> I'll cut that. Um, I guess then my hot take would be that Roadkill is like my least favorite song on that new album. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's the one I skipped. Um, but I don't like. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's because even the first time I listened to it, it was like I had heard. You know, Roadkill is this country song. It is the nineteen seventy five doing country, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, that's gonna be amazing!" Because with country, you can do some really, really interesting lyrics, and knowing them, um, and Maddie's lyricism, I was so looking forward to that song, and then it just kind of fell short for me. Like it was kind of, like I think I think it's the chorus. The chorus is just kind of flat for me. It just kind of lands like, oh, that's the best that you can get out of it. Um, it's it's a bop, but I, I just, that was my thought on Roadkill the first time I listened to it. Um, even though I think notes, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> notes. Whenever that first came out, you know that I said like, it is the it is their best album to date. I don't agree with that anymore. I think it is uh, number two, but I think it is. Uh, I think Brief Inquiry is is their best, but I do think Notes is very mature and very. Um, it, it's a really good album. It's really good. I think the problem that they had with it was how many singles came out of that record. What are your, what are your hot takes on on Bags Be Not What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Bags Be Not Wet? <laughs> uh, it's a great song. I love it. I think that back half is full of unappreciated bops um and i mean yeah it's i think the only the only thing is that the new album i know a lot of people didn't like it for some reason i think it was more like because the back half is very techno based um uh well, it feels more like Avalanches, which I know that you're into, you know? Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like, but I feel like it's it's still the 1975 having that sound, and that's something very interesting that we can talk about, because the 1975 have their sound. Like, finding a voice as a creative is the most important thing, and the 1975 had that, or have that, and had that from the beginning um where the yeah i I guess the only songs 
I'm looking at the track list. I guess I'm not huge on Don't Worry. I think it's more just like the production is a little. That one makes me cry. That's like right. the one yeah. that hits me in the gut every time like I listen to that album. That's the one where I'm always like, ugh, I like this album, shoot. <laughs> Even <laughs> after like some one. of it's like, yeah, I, I really like Don't Worry. I'd put it probably in the top five songs, honestly, on the album. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don't Worry is... is it is one that I kind of do s- skip, but I still really like that song. Like, And I still like Roadkill. It's just... If you took, if you took a little, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> kind of want to go too hard on, uh, Maddie because, or any of those guys, because they killed it on that, on this album, mm-hmm. doing this all on the road and having it be pushed back. I think it was totally worth it. Um, but I do think that having that many singles kind of made the album fall a little flat. So I guess a question I can have for you guys is Notes definitely got a mixed reception from fans and critics when it came out. Um, <clears throat> you think there's any indication, any reason for it getting a mixed reception? Do you understand where that's coming from? Or I totally get where it's coming from. Yeah, I, yeah, I see. Yeah. Because I, I kind of think that like the album's a complete mess, but I still like love it, you know? like it doesn't like i think i mean the the quote fantano's review he kind of explained that it felt like an album where a lot of the songs you could pick up and put on like a playlist but it didn't cohesively work as a whole album and i kind of understand where that's coming from even though there are some interludes that like fall into each other and stuff you know like they've done before it definitely like if you set let's say it's too shy or shiny collarbone right next to each other like they sound like completely different entities which is interesting but also i don't know if it entirely works you know yes um and i get where he's i didn't watch his video so i don't know everything that he said but i i get where he's coming from but I think, but I still stand by that it works as a cohesive album. I think it is, it is them, it is, it's, it's going, it's notes, it's notes. Like, these are just things that you jot down, ideas yeah. that you jot down into a journal. And I, I think that's how I look at it as well, because like, I'm also a really big fan of the, <clears throat> of the band The Gorillas, you know? And I feel like, I, I like like 75% of Gorilla songs, but there's 25% of them where I'm like, what on earth were you even trying to attempt there? But then I'm always like, oh, they were attempting something. That's cool. Like, it's almost like, for instance, um, Brief Inquiry and Online Relationships. Um, I don't like 222 Time and I don't like um, Give Yourself a Try. And that's like the first two songs on that album. Mm-hmm. But the whole album works so incredibly well to me that it almost doesn't matter that I dislike them and not only that whenever I listen to that album which I've listened to that album whenever it first came out probably like 50 times in the span of three months it was insane I did not skip the first two songs I don't like them but I did not skip them ever and that's what I'll say about notes 
I do skip songs on notes because I don't know they really equal up to my experience of wanting to listen to notes. It's almost like give yourself a try in two, two, two time while I don't really like them as songs. I have to play them on the album, you know? Right. Right. I think, yeah. I, uh, Brief Inquiry was just, it was the, the 1975 album. Like that is their, so far that is probably their most cohesive album. Um, that and the second album, I like it when you sleep. Um, but I think, I mean, critics and fans loved Brief Inquiry. Um, that kind of wasn't the same thing with I Like It When You Sleep. Uh, it was more fans learning who they are and critics kind of just saying this is pop. This is just poppy. More of the same stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, now, it definitely... Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. It definitely, like... I feel like the 1975 have gotten the reception of they are a teeny bop band, you know? And that kind of... Because you see the reviews for the first two albums, and they're not remarkably great. And that's always surprised me, because I think they're just such solid, solid albums. But a lot of critics, like, review them and say, like, well, it's just, like, them having fun, but they're not really trying to push the envelope. And I think that's kind of regressive to what they're doing in the first place. Yeah... I mean, that kind of goes into the whole thing, which I'm sure we were going to get into, um, that the 1975 created a generation. They created a, th- a, a the thing that we know as aesthetic. They, they created that. Um, there definitely seems to be like a type of H&M Uniqlo look that was inspired by I don't know if necessarily the 1975 but certainly their type of aesthetic and wave of music I think they I think the 1975 if it, if it you know if it specifically wasn't them it was they were so on top of it that they brought this into the limelight and made it a thing or they allowed other people to go and find other people who dress the same way that they do and so they just you know this the 80s vibe kind of started um i mean it was already coming back but when the 1975 came out with uh their debut a lot of people compared it to a lot of 80s a lot of 80s stuff um and i mean it's they 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 helped form a generation Mm-hmm. And so I don't think these critics will like specifically like all their albums or like most of their songs because I don't it wasn't created for them. It was created for the people growing up in these situations like uh, especially their early EPs this 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 dreamlike state of summertime falling in love where you have falling for you. I think that's just a perfect song and a perfect vibe um for a song i mean it is they they have such a unique thing going that i think it was kind of sad for some fans when notes came out and they said we are growing up now yeah 
And are they like going to make any more music under the label 1975 or are they going to split that up? Do we know? Uh, from what I've heard, they're making music still right now. Okay, um, that's good. But I, yeah, 1975 is not over at all. It's I, just... I do wish that they would uh, try to go back to their first two albums and play with that again more. Because I understand that they're evolving as a group in certain ways and they're trying new things and I think that's completely <clears throat> fine. But there is a reason they became the name that they are. You know, I think for instance i think if the 1975's first album would have been notes they wouldn't have been the 1975 i agree with that I, it had to be the first album yeah i know yeah, ben you're, th- you're like oh sorry sorry i was just gonna say like i think that that is kind of regressive in the idea that that they can't form themselves into something else like giving people like you look at you know kids who are looking for something that talks about what they're going through um with like chocolate or the city or money you know hard out robbers especially girls menswear yeah all these songs (laughs) and then you go to notes and these are songs for when you need them like i still stand by like the 1975 is a band that is always there when I need them and like these songs will always mean something to me at some point in my life mm-hmm. and I think it's just it's their their understanding that their audience is trying to grow up or is growing up and they need to grow up with them and I think even George said you know we're not 20 anymore we can't still be making all these all, all the songs that we did on the first stuff oh and i also get like trying to keep uh interesting like trying to evolve over time but what i'm saying is like it's too shy sounds like it could have been pulled from one of their first two albums and that was by far and away the most successful song on that album well commercially speaking so obviously people are still clamoring for that do order type of sound you know um i do know that um Ben, you're a really big fan of like the early EPs, and I wanted to get into that because that's like uh, unexplored territory for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us kind of some of your favorite stuff from the early EPs? Um, my favorite 1975 song of all time, and it's also my favorite song in general, is "Undo." And I feel like to me, "Sex" and "Music for Cars," those two EPs are kind of like their masterpieces. And I feel like a lot of their early EP stuff, I mean, there's a couple of singles that would later go on to the first album, uh, like Sex or The City and Chocolate, but most of it is very kind of dark. There's a lot, they go to a lot of different territories, mm-hmm. they experiment a lot. Like uh, if you compare something like Undo or Fallen For You and then compare it to something like uh, Antichrist, they're such drastically different songs, but they still sound like the 1975. And to me, the variety they have with their first couple of EPs is something they're trying to do as well with their more, uh, with stuff like notes. But to me personally, I feel like the variety works more on the early EPs. 
but I also think it's uh, fair to compare the fact that a lot of fans of the EPs do not like any of the albums because if you go to the early EPs and then to their first album uh, the first album sounds a lot more pop a lot more radio while the EPs some songs don't have choruses some songs like uh, for me the song me for example it gets into really dark territories and it's not like a pop song at all like you wouldn't hear that on the radio it's very emotional very dark and moody and I feel like the first album branched it off in a different direction something more pop and I love the first album the first album to me is their best album and then progressing on to that for um, I like it when you sleep they knew what their sound was and they wanted to expand it out more and I feel like they just keep expanding it and expanding it but the original tone and the original sound that they made isn't there if that makes sense yeah, I think that makes complete sense. And this is I I do like the modern era of the 1975. I think it's really interesting. But I totally think there is a complete shift between um I like it when you sleep and a brief inquiry mm-hmm. for sure. Um and like I also have listened to their early EPs and they do definitely have a more my bloody valentine type of feel to it. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of grain to it. So I do wish they would have experimented with that more on the newer stuff. So I, I agree with you there. Um, another thing that I want to get into is that Ben and I have seen the 1975 live. Um, hopefully they'll be touring next year so we can see them again. Cause that'd be mm-hmm. great. Cause I know Tyler, didn't you already get your ticket for them next year? Not next year. I got it. Not next year. I got, I got it for July and then I was uh, like, eh, you know, this, this thing isn't gonna keep on happening it'll be fine um and then like the next week they just canceled all their u.s dates and so but i was like i had i had a like general mission floor uh ready to mosh (laughs) yeah that was such an interesting experience remember like a guy tripped and fell on the stage and they had to (laughs) get an ambulance no, what, hap- what happened was uh, he was, someone was so excited to get back to their seat. They weren't even seating. It was in the standing in the front. They got so excited, but it was pouring down rain. So they slipped and fell and broke their arm. Yeah, that's right. Oof. Yeah. yeah so like was, the concert started two hours later than it was supposed to. It was really weird because as soon as they opened the gates, No Rome was already playing a set. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of odd. And they kind of rushed them a little bit, and then Pale Waves came on, and they completely rushed them too. And then after Pale Waves played, they're like, "Hey, you guys need to like go back to your cars. It's thundering out." So then it just started pouring, and like everyone was just drenched in water, and we had to run back to our cars. And they're like, "Hey, listen to our radio station, and we'll let you know." And I think we were in your car for at least an hour. Yeah. Just waiting for something. And then people just got so pissed from waiting that they just got up and ran up to the gate. And we were standing at the gate for at least an hour to an hour and a half. And then they finally opened the gates. And then that's when someone broke their arm. And then they had to put us back out again. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a weird night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to bring this up because, like, the experience of finally being able to see them live mm-hmm. was so cool i remember like because it was also like drizzling 
and so the water was kind of reflecting the lights that they had and the pyrotechnics on a 1975 concert is unreal yeah all of the lights and stuff yeah, yeah. like I, I'm, a, I'm a big disney parks person but i was thinking about how they're like oh the people who do the lights for these concerts could be imagineers for disney like this is the type of technology that they're messing with they aren't just like setting up mm-hmm. like little sets and stages and stuff they're actually like creating narrative through their like lights and pyrotechnics which was i think made the whole thing feel like so much more of an experience than just seeing them play songs live you know mm-hmm. and i think that's something that makes the band so special is the fact that they think a much more beyond just all right, let's rock and have fun and have sex and all of that. Like they, they really think about what these songs are saying on a, on a larger scale than most other things. Like, like Tyler said, the first album definitely feels like euphoria, right? (laughs) Where it's like, imagine the worst high school you go to and you got cut up in all the wrong things. And here's an album to help you navigate that, which is something I can't personally relate to, but I still love that album a lot. Mm -hmm. And as it's evolved, a brief inquiry into online relationships is not only about our like technical age and how it's harder to connect with people because of social media, which sounds like it would be cliche ridden, but still has a good insight. But, you know, there's a whole song about like we are touring in America right now. And sometimes we're afraid to play because we're afraid someone's going to shoot up the place. And I we're scared of dying, you know. And the fact that they just wrote a song like that is so gutsy, and I I love that. And then played it on Corden. Yeah, yeah, which is insane. That's that's actually, I believe, if I'm, I watched an interview with them, and they talked about how uh, they were staying at someone's house after a concert with a whole bunch of people, and they were all drunk and high and whatever, and this crazy guy's like, hey, what you're doing is a sin, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you better get out of here and everyone was like oh whatever so then he came back with a gun and he started threatening to kill like a lot of the band members and the people that were with them so they had to try to calm them down and whatnot and that was a big ordeal so I'm pretty sure that was the basis for the song huh that's crazy yeah yeah and again like oh sorry Again, you see things like what happens with like Christina Grimmie a long time ago, where that crazy fan went and shot yep. her and stuff. That's totally got to be something that musical artists think about a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, like uh, it's a scary time. Or like the guy that uh, tried to send the letter bomb to Bjork. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing as well. It's it's crazy, you know. That's why you have to make POV boxes now if you're big enough. Yeah. Because we don't live in that secure world anymore, at all. Um, Tyler, think, what were you gonna say? Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I think uh, I watched something with Paul Simon, and I think he said it best. Where when he was with Simon and Garfunkel, people would run up on stage and hug them and give them flowers and whatnot. And they did a reunion show, I think, sometime in the '80s or the '90s. And some fan ran on stage, and like the security guards took him out instantly. And Paul Simon had this thing in his mind where he's like. Well, we're so used to them like giving us flowers and like being really happy and whatnot, but he's, he's like, "Well, we're at a time where we can't do that anymore. That's not safe." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of sad 
for sure. I they I mean, th- yeah, this is a band that early on I think their first U.S. tour they were in Springfield. Really. Um, yeah, I think they went to the Outland or something like that, um, or the Gloys, one of those, but like, and now they're playing like the O2 and and just all. I don't know. It, it's so. It's so amazing to see how far they've grown and to be able to grow with them, I guess. But I also I think like something, something that Ben touched on with the EPs, like the EPs. Are so fantastic, but they are their own beasts. Like, they are, I think, like, one of my favorite songs, probably my second favorite uh, 1975 song is Antichrist from their first EP. Um, But you have, like, Antichrist and Woman that are so distorted and grainy and this, like, almost feel of you are in the smoke-filled bedroom just listening and hearing someone pour their heart out and as it goes along it's just kind of become a bigger thing to make it more film-esque like I know that the 1975 have their obsession with film and they want to make a movie a 1975 movie and they have like ideas and I think they have a script or something like that that they want to do but they are like wanting to make this movie and I think the fact that in notes uh, music for cars ends with what sounds like a Disney movie score is is specifically showing us that they they made an experience they made a movie through these albums and that was their goal and yeah. now they move on from it yeah that the music for cars track that's an interesting point because i thought like the music for cars track on notes um that's another one of my favorite tracks on that whole album and it's entirely instrumental but whenever i listen to that i'm like this is something alan Menken would write for a musical for like a beauty and the beast or a little shop of horrors and I was looking up the inspiration behind that song and I ran to this YouTube video and I think they took it down unfortunately which is so unfortunate but um I said unfortunate twice um but it was the scene from Tangled the lantern scene where they put all the lanterns in the air and they have that at last I see the light song and they replaced the Alan Menken song with music for cars it fit the scene perfectly I was shocked I think you showed me that at the grotto yeah, I was I was like, this is insane. Speaking of the grotto, if we go off of this tangent, something I wanted to bring up is the fact that the 1975's music gets like played places, mm. like which is a really cool thing aspect about them because usually you go to like a a Coles or a TJ Maxx or a restaurant, right? And they're playing like you know Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. You know, just, like, the mainstream successes that are going on at the time. But, like, one time I remember being at Dickie's Barbecue with my dad. 
And them playing a 1975 song and me being like, what on earth is happening here? Because in between, like, Dolly Parton or something. And the fact that, like, their song's actually getting play. Because, like, I heard their song played at the Grotto the other day when I was there with Ben. And I heard their song being played at Box Lunch one time. And so, like, they're actually getting, like, radio play now, which is very interesting. And I love that, too. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I like it when you sleep is definitely like the radio album. Um, I think most of the other stuff, not really, other than the first album. But like, um, but I do think I don't know if Too Shy is getting any radio play or not, or if that's just like totally. Well, that's what we heard um, of the Grotto TikTok. We've, yeah, we've. Oh, you did. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. what I will say is, um, the other song I've heard at <laughs> Dickie's Barbecue and uh box lunch and i think somewhere else is i'm not living when i'm not with you yeah and i've heard that song being played like whenever i'm out of state and in another spot out of state because my family travels a lot like i'll hear that song being played places i heard that song at walmart yeah (laughs) yeah and i think like um i checked spotify one time and it might be their most played song on spotify i think it's still probably somebody else Oh, that it's makes sense. Somebody else. Okay. Yeah. I just pulled up. Uh, but it's one of theirs. I just pulled up the Billboard charts for their albums, and Tyler, you're right. Where I like it when you sleep was their most uh, pop or radio from the album. That one, that was the only one of their albums to peak at number one. Their debut peaked at 28. A brief inquiry mm. peaked at four, and Notes peaked at four. Wow, that's surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean they are I don't know. <laughs> the I mean my favorite. So, uh, I guess to answer your question, Brett from about 45 minutes ago, um my favorite song 1975 song is I always want to die sometimes. Um I think that is just a perfect song. Uh uh great vocal delivery on Maddie's part um and also just that that guitar that guitar just perfectly sounds like a it sounds like it belongs in like Degrassi um or like old Degrassi Mm. um it just it's I mean that I think that and me and you together song fit perfectly um of being their very 90s song songs i should say but um yeah i don't know i i, I just love i think that's that is my favorite song and that still song still gets me yeah it's a it's a really powerful way to end the album actually i think my favorite song on that album is i couldn't be more in love which is the one that is right before that one you know the oh. little john coltrane bit oh yeah it's just that one I listen to a lot and I again another thing that I think I appreciate about the 1975 is them being able to incorporate different like instruments into their music like it doesn't feel like it's all because so many uh bands that are alternative that I like them is like either you know white guy with acoustic guitar or like oh we're gonna be really synth we got that piano we don't need anything else you know but like they bring in the saxophone they bring in the bass guitar they bring in everything 
I feel and like I'm both of the two things you mentioned, Brett. I don't appreciate being called out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I was, uh, I was calling you out with um, Savon Stevens. <laughs> I th- so I think I mean, oh, the John Coltrane thing that I mentioned—that's actually uh, on the song "Mine," not "I Couldn't Be More in Love." Yeah. But, um, I realized after I said that, but but yeah, mine is uh, a great they... song too. I love mm-hmm. mine. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they are the epitome of what a band should be, to some extent, in my mind at least. Is like they get all of the areas that people like nowadays. Like they are a pop band, but they are the most pop band there has ever been because they hit every single thing um because you have songs like shiny collarbone that can be played in clubs you have songs uh like if you're too shy that can be played in the car um with a bunch of friends uh you can you have songs like falling for you who which can be played alone in the car on a rainy night you have two time uh love it if we made it that could be screamed same with people and mine i couldn't be more in love surrounded by heads and bodies just all of these songs that are so they are so powerful because you go through the motions of through every album is going to take you to somewhere like Mm -hmm. you can't go through their album and just be sitting back and going all right that was good on to the next album like it it always hits and it always has to it every song you know is on there for a reason yeah i agree with that and again it's another reason why i like the gorilla so much is even like they're humans which is kind of a complete mess in a lot of ways uh, everyone always has a take on every single song on humans like if you talk to a girls fan about that album it's gonna take an hour and a half to go through all of them and to describe whether you hate it with a burning passion or think it's great and that's definitely the 1975 i think the I reason that, yeah. yeah the reason that <laughs> so their albums get such mixed reception is because people are just mixed on what they feel about all the songs but like I think that's so much more admirable than just making passable music that you just kind of listen to and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is so much of what the radio is right now. It's like the 1975 is the opposite of vanilla to me. There's so much flavor yeah. in it, you know? I, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to like call anyone out by name, but Ariana Grande had an album come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that thing was just more of the same. And even the fans are realizing it, that it is just more of the same. And she hasn't been... The time that she's taken between albums is for no reason other than to sell another album. Mm. Yeah. Uh, She isn't growing as an artist. And I really wish that she did because I think... um, I think the album was Dangerous Woman. I really liked that album. I thought that was like... I I thought that was... very solid pop album from Ariana Grande and I was like okay so she's growing up and she's like you know becoming this like we're about to see her go off and then she just came in with thank you next and then now 
um, what is the new album called? Positions. Yeah, positions. Yeah. yeah. It just, um, I, I just, I'm sick of wasting my time with artists, and I feel like that's what I do with a majority of pop right now, other than the 1975. Yeah. They they don't waste your time they have a 22 song album and maybe a lot of people don't like a lot of the songs on there but like i said before there will be a point and there's a time and maybe like it, it every song is on there for a reason and i think it's just something you've got to I don't know. I uh, notes notes is such a hard album to defend because I know how I feel about it, and I but I also understand why people don't enjoy it that much. Um, but I mean, like they, I don't know, I don't know. They just keep keep you guessing on what they're going to do. I mean, when notes came out and people premiered, that was the craziest day of that year for me <laughs> uh, I mean hearing them do that and knowing that like this album is going to be I at that point I was like oh this album is going to be like stuff they've never done before which for the most part it was um, or for someone kind of um, and then birthday party came out and brett you already know my like thoughts about that i think that's like also one of their best songs ever i think we actually talked about this after we saw the lot we did yeah, yeah. we did <laughs> we went into this i'm Is also a fan of birthday party i think it's a good song i think it's okay i i think what makes <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> i think what really killed it for me was the music video yeah which i agree that music video is pretty sure. atrocious <laughs> Okay, let's get on to this topic, because the music videos for these, for this, for the new album, uh, I think, okay, I'm sorry. Roadkill, Roadkill's the best video. (laughs) I'm going to add a little thing here for a little topic, because I think something you've got to talk about with the 1975 is the purpose of their music videos. Yes, absolutely. how perfect they are. Yes. Um. Except until, for a birthday party. <laughs> until we got two notes. And I'm sure we can all kind of agree. For the most part, the notes music videos sucked. Um, excuse me, the roadkill video with the lesbian cowgirls? That was pretty epic. <laughs> oh gosh. The whole <laughs> I want that yeah, to be the quote for the I episode. <laughs> the video. I remember I was so excited to watch the videos, and then the "Tonight I Wish It Was Your Boy" video came out, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome!" And it was like a weird teddy bear dancing. I was like, "What? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Which, which is like, I'm totally down for that, if you actually like do something with it. Yeah. They. It's just a looped thing of them lip singing the video sometimes it's like i don't care about this teddy bear dancing i want to see maddie (laughs) (laughs) oh their music videos peaked at somebody else with their uh, david lynch rabbits i was gonna mention that 
at the yeah. time uh at the time i saw that i was going through a really big david lynch kick and i had found out about rabbits maybe like it was the year before and i was like oh this is the coolest thing ever and i was like oh the 1975 is a new video as soon as i got into them and the first like five minutes is just nothing but like there's no music it's just them referencing david lynch and i was like this is amazing <laughs> it's so good i love it like because uh, if you've never if you never just sat and watched rabbits please do it's an experience yeah it'll make you um it'll once you watch it you'll uh contemplate everything and you won't know why yeah yeah that's 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 about it yeah (laughs) which you can say about all of david lynch's um works including dune but including dune yeah (laughs) um his best no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) so for like for the music videos i mean the really like there were some good ones like i think People is a fantastic music video, um, really well done, camera-wise and, you know, performance-wise. Um, Frail State of Mind is very interesting and very good. It fit, definitely, like, fits the vibe that they're going for. Uh, if you're too shy, I don't really consider it a music video, because it's kind of just them standing there. <laughs> uh guys is cute because it's just all the memories from the 1975 up to that point but yeah the birthday party what what (laughs) like it it fits but i wish it didn't fit (laughs) i wish it was i don't know it it was like it was cool and i understand that the the band themselves are really into technology and like utilizing that yeah but that song's not about technology at all <laughs> no it's, it's it, it doesn't make any sense party. yeah well, i yeah. don't mm-hmm. if... and you go back and you go back to like chocolate and the city and girls i mean i think probably the the most talked about music video of theirs is probably robbers yeah i mean that was that was a film yeah in four minutes and 32 seconds that is a film and when they kind of continued that a little bit with i like when you sleep with like a change of heart which isn't uh probably my second favorite music video of those um that's my favorite music video of all time i've had this discussion before that's my absolute favorite music video of all time I, I totally get it. Uh, I, the performance I by it. Maddie is perfect. Yeah. It's so like it's so sweet and endearing and I don't know why it makes me smile every time I watch it, but it does. And I it's love important. how it's like just like that black and white type of like mysticism of this little carnival. And I wish every carnival looked like that cuz most carnivals are just absolute trash, but that one looks like the most inviting place to go to. Yeah. I love it. And it just I don't know, it, you can tell they're kind of both of them are having fun yeah it really adds to it uh you go into somebody else and i mean yeah it's it's great it's great mm-hmm. it's it's there it's definitely them being like we want to be filmmakers one day and i hope they I do mean, i would love to see a 1975 film or what they would do yeah oh well, they they made a little thing for apple music um whenever notes came out and they made like kind of a film thing for it 
I remember that. I'd never watched it. Minutes or something. Yeah. It was really good. Their dialogue is very bleak and British, and it's very cool. And I'm like, if this is what their movie is gonna be like, I am. 100 percent down uh, bleak and british sounds like the 1975 in a nutshell <laughs> yeah <laughs> bleak and british uh, but even then like i don't know their music videos i think also helped create this generation of people who just can't let them go um i do think it all kind of started with robbers mm-hmm. um well something i that, oh, sorry Sorry, you can go. But I, I think, I think it's because they treated their audience that they knew was like fourteen to fifteen, sixteen era. Uh, they treated them like adults and said, "You know the kind of relationships that people have, and you know, you know what happens in the world. So here it is, and here it is, and we're not going to show you." Or we're not gonna uh, hide anything from you. Not gonna sugarcoat it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Robbers is is my favorite because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like probably I like it when you sleep is their music video wise is probably their best album in that sense because it has everything from Change of Heart. Which caught me way off guard because the videos I saw before that were for Love Me and Ugg. Mm. And those are both great music videos, but they're just drastically different. And I feel like yeah. that album, specifically music video-wise, encapsulate, encapsulates their whole entire sound and tone. Because it's all over the place. But all it's still cohesive together as a entire piece. Very true. Very mm. true. Yeah, and it's kind of it reminds me of what the weekend is doing right now, which I mm-hmm. hope nineteen seventy five ends up doing. Have you guys seen how like the after hours music videos revolve like he gets decapitated in one yeah. and then they're like tossing his head around in the other one and stuff? Like I love that. I love this fact that he's like, Yeah, I made a movie with after hours. Um mm-hmm. let's just yeah. show that within the music videos, which kind of Pink Floyd did with The Wall a long time ago, but The Wall movie, I think, just kind of puts text to what should just be subtext. So I don't love it for that reason. I but agree like, with I that. love what The Weeknd is doing. Yeah. Yeah, and the 1975 have, like, touched on that. Like, with Sincerity is Scary and It's Not Living mm-hmm. If It's Not With You, those two music videos kind of blending into each other um, and taking place almost at the same time. Um, and also, it's not living if it's not with you having the obvious Talking Heads reference in there. I love um, it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know. They, yeah, they've, they're kind of diving into that world, but I think I get what you're saying. I think, I mean, The Weeknd in general is, like, he is epitomizing what a pop star is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right now. Mm-hmm. And he... He's, he's absolutely killing it I'm, uh, and I'm I'm loving the music videos and seeing that he can actually like I also think the the weekends at a point where it's like he's like I have so much money why not just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. certainly <laughs> which is cool honestly like go yeah. make your art if you have the resources to make your art 
he de- he def he to me feels like a Prince or a Michael Jackson figure. I think he'll continue to be huge until mm-hmm. he ends up demising one day. You know, like he yeah. has that. It's, it's really weird. He's on his seventh album after ours was his seventh. It's his weird because of the mixtape stuff. Yeah. If we're just yeah. talking about studio albums, I think it's just, if we're talking about like studio studio albums, it's Kissland. Uh, Beauty Behind the Madness, Starboy, and then After Hours. Trilogy. Trilogy he adds on there. Because I think he said... I think in After Hours he says he's on the seventh one. Huh. He has a line about being on the seventh album. Interesting. That might include mixtapes then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should. Because the mixtapes are length of albums, so... Yeah. I've never understood that. That's that's a different topic, though. <laughs> yeah, we can get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have a um, weekend episode. Oh. <laughs> I do yeah. think um, something that could be really good with this topic is uh, this talking more about uh, the state of pop music currently and how it relates to the 1975 and how it also contrasts with it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if we go back to the Ariana Grande point. Um, yeah. That, that new album, because um, Tyler, actually, Ben and I decided we'd listen to that full album the other day when we hung out. Mm-hmm. And so we went track by track, and I think it's terrible. Um, except like the opening track was really intriguing for both of us, and it yes. never like picks up from that. Yeah, I remember we started it, and the opening track is "Shut Up," and uh, I was just waiting. Like it was so gorgeous, and I was like, "Okay, when's the trap beat gonna fall?" And it never did. And I was like, "Okay, the string yeah. arrangements sound awesome. Her voice sounds awesome, and it's like, oh man, this album." we're pumped we were so stoked and i think brett said it best where almost every single song starts off with potential but then it plummets yes that's that's about it it's like they they start off with this really beautiful like musical interlude and then all of a sudden you hear dun, 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 and then ariana like starts singing and it's yeah. just like the same song again yeah it's her it's her thing of like she's moving from away from trap but she's like doing an r&b thing but i don't think she i don't know it's ariana grande so like who am i to say but also this is just kind of my opinion and i understand that it's probably wrong but i don't think she knows exactly what r&b is i uh, yeah because yeah like in the modern day that is not Uh r&b that is still like trap and yeah. and and rap r&b is is uh r&b pop which is kind of what she wants to be is like uh leanne lahava's album uh which is so good that's still in my 10 of the year um right now for albums number one baby yeah i know <laughs> it's it i think it is my number 10 right now but like i love that album it's great um thank you for the recommendation tyler for that yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's very jazzy, very soul, you know. Um, and I do wish she was getting more recognition and radio airplay yeah. because I think she's totally could be mainstream, and people could totally like appreciate her if she got that clout. Cause like, what do we have right now? Like Katy Perry released a new album and it's terrible. That was and not good. So bad, and you know, Bruno Mars will release something and it's bad. Like for pop. People who are releasing interesting things. We have Billie Eilish. Um, interesting, but it doesn't weekend. always work. Yeah. 
1975. Oh, love it or hate it, folklore is really interesting. Like just an interesting subversion, at least. It. She's not really uh, trying anything new, though. She. Okay, she's trying something new in her neck of the woods. It's not like I totally get that she's just doing Phoebe Bridgers or Lana Del Rey, but yeah. it is a uh, definitely a subversion from what she usually does as an artist. And it's the fact that one like of my favorite Taylor albums, yeah, for sure. Which I mean, I get that's a lower bar. Like, no offense, Taylor Swift, <laughs> but like, I still think it's a great album. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor, if you're watching. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's our fourth viewer on Workshopping Humanity. Oh, thanks, Taylor. Um, <laughs> yeah. My sister uh, met her mom. Have I ever told you guys this story? <laughs> Mrs. Swift? Yeah, she met Mrs. Swift. Because uh, my sister went to one of her concerts. Like This was whenever she was in high school. And her mom was like, I guess, just walking somewhere. And she accidentally ran into her. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like... Oh, and then I guess my sister recognized her for some reason. It's like, are you Taylor Swift's mom? <laughs> and they, like, talked briefly. And that's just, like, the weirdest thing to me. I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> I like the idea that mm-hmm. your sister didn't recognize her. She just bumped into her and she was like, oh, I'm Taylor Swift's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I could be completely oh, telling that story wrong. Like I'm if... Taylor Swift's mom. <laughs> um... Bria, if you're watching this, I might have completely told that story wrong. I apologize. We also but have something like that happened. Styles. <laughs> let, oh yeah. Let us not forget. We have yeah. the wonderful Harry Styles, mm-hmm. who is consistent consistently making great music. Um, I'm looking at like today's top hits on Spotify. Yeah. Um, Clairo, Clario. Speaking I, of I speaking of my sister, she has a I passionate hatred. Song. Um, speaking of my sister, she has a passionate hatred for the song Watermelon Sugar. <laughs> and I never understood why it was a passionate hatred, but like, man, that does get played a lot on the radio now. Like, I feel like anywhere you go, you hear Watermelon Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't listen to the radio, so... Yeah, but like, if you go to like MSU campus, uh, for our viewers who know what that is... um. <laughs> Or, like, any, like, place, like, any store or anything like that. It seems like they're playing it, you know? It definitely gets a lot of radio play. Yeah. I don't dislike it. It's just kind of actively okay. I I, I know, Tyler, you vehemently disagree with this take. But I much prefer Harry Styles' first album to his newest. But his newest I still has interesting that. parts. Yeah. But, like, I really liked the kind of, I don't want to say folky, because that's overused, but his sound on the first album is a whole lot less pop-centered than the new one is, and I think it's just more interesting to me, personally. But, yeah. Um, the 1975. <laughs> I wasn't, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I mean, are they? I got a question because I don't know what's going on in this realm, and I don't know if you if you guys do either. But are they like popular on TikTok right now, or how's not... that going for them? For the nineteen seventy five. Yeah, 
I don't think they are. I feel like if you're too shy, kind of got a TikTok craze. Maybe. For like a hot second. But TikTok songs that go viral are very bizarre. Like that really terrible flute um, cover of Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone is now a really well-selling song because of TikTok. Like, you can make anything popular. Yeah, TikTok's, TikTok songs are getting really odd. There was one, I don't know the name of the song, but it's just some really bad rapper who samples a Biba Doobie song. And that got huge. And then... Ugh. I think the biggest song on TikTok right now is Cotton Candy by Youngblood. Who? <laughs> this is <laughs> I. Whenever we get onto the topic of TikTok, I just I sound like the most out of touch person. I like my 1975. <laughs> 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 oh man, I really really hope like Song Machine season two for the Gorillas. If they contacted 1975 and did a song, that would be insane. 1975 and Sarah Benito. Yeah, it could happen. And Carol Kiro Bonito. Well, <laughs> I'm um, kidding. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm very. What? Sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say that's something that surprisingly the 1975 really hasn't done a whole lot of. Because uh, if you look at most modern pop albums, like probably half the songs have featured guests on them. Uh, Ariana Grande's had The Weeknd and Ty Dolla Sign and people like that. Uh, but the only uh, featured artist for the 1975, I believe, is from their new album. That's Phoebe Bridgers. And I guess if you count the, uh, the title track. Uh, <laughs> FKA Twigs is also on there. Yeah. But like, also, they don't put that they're on there, which is obviously both of the both of the artists agreed to that but mm. yeah it's kind of just them but i think that's i don't know them having the beginning of you know every every album starts with the 1975 you are entering their world you are stepping out of your world and entering into this universe so i guess like i get it but it would be very cool to get a gorillas in 1975 mm-hmm. uh collab yeah um they're i mean they're totally popular enough to where they would get grabbed by gorillas at this point so <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> <laughs> they could totally collab with harambe <laughs> Gosh. But speaking of what you said earlier, Tyler, um, for the title tracks for all their albums, what do you guys think of the title track for Notes? Okay. Okay. I I love Greta Thunberg. She's a queen. We can all appreciate what she's done for the, the cause of global warming. Um mm-hmm. It's only a weird way to start the album because I don't even think they bring up the climate after that. Um, but it's cool. Um, I dig it. I like. I I love it whenever music like messes with like spoken word and like 
ambient music. Like I really like I like the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds type of stuff. Like I, mm. I've always found that to be fascinating. So like I like it. Um, I don't like. It's not one where I go to my car and I'm like, boom, let's put on the title track. Woo, let's like <laughs> jam the Greta Thunberg telling us how much we're screwing up the planet. Yeah, you know, but like I think it works on the album for sure. I kind of yeah. I kind of disagree with that. Um, I obviously uh, think what she believes in is awesome and I love that they're putting it on there. But realistically, I don't think any of us actually like listen to that song very often. It's definitely um, something I skip like consistently because it's like you hear it for the first time and it's like, oh, heck yeah. But then it comes on the second time and you're just like, oh, uh, skip. Okay. Yeah. I wake up every morning and I listen to it as I eat cereal. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's, I way, cry a little bit. there's way more depth to it than the uh, first three albums because apparently those the title track is literally just about getting a blowjob. So, I mean, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's better to know about like uh, global warming yeah. than getting a blowjob, but sometimes blowjobs are more fun than global warming. <laughs> that's that's the clip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a skip song, but I think yeah that first time that you listen to it like first time that you listen to an album it's going to have to hit you but i do think they do talk about it again they talk about it immediately afterwards with people um Mm. and i think the end being right after people being the end of music for cars that that is that is the hope i guess like there there's a storyline and that's kind of why i mean i don't like yeah i'm not like oh boy i'm gonna listen to notes on a conditional form here i go boom and then just listen to the five minutes of greta thunberg talking uh no i obviously skip to people or i go to like the very end of that song and listen to the transition between the two because i still think that's really cool um but I think it's it's those three songs that end music for cars is is a perfect combination. I think because the end being this Disney sound, it's this hope that we will we will find our way again and we will open it up back to nature. How Disney? I kind of always think of um, maybe I might be like Cinderella, but like just you know a bunch of like um in the woods a bunch of animals come out of uh their nests or wherever and birds are flying and that's kind of what i see in that song drip drip drop little april showers yeah uh and (laughs) little i just i just i just think i don't know i i think it's i think it is a very strong trilogy to end music for cars on the album yeah maybe not work that well but i think this i think that song uh, i think in the live show they do that song and then love it if we made it perfect like great stuff i'd sit there and, and listen to the whole thing 
um, with the thousands of other people there. Um, so I guess I'm in favor of it. Yeah. Um, I'm voting for that amendment tomorrow. I'm sorry, I don't know where that was what? going. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And that's. In case it hasn't see. been explained, this is being recorded on November 2nd. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, like, why I even said that. <laughs> I'm voting on that amendment tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, okay, this is an hour 27 mark on the recording. It will be probably like 50-something minutes on the actual thing. Um, I'm going to mark that because that's definitely a part that's going to get cut. Um, or maybe not if I get lazy. Then, no. you know, I this. On the should ballot I? tomorrow. On the Change ballot amendments. tomorrow. Amendment 6. Should the 1975 go back to the original version of the 1975? <laughs> <or should> <laughs> <laughs> Which one's going to make Mike Parsons more upset? No, i kidding. Write in your answers below. <laughs> Billy Long. <laughs> Alright. Um, something I do want to discuss real quick was... Um, so, the first time I listened to Notes, which was with Tyler and then our friend Tristan, who was on the last episode um, of this podcast, and George, who's going to be on a future episode of this podcast. Um, whenever it started, because I already had listened to the singles and everything, you know, um, and I'm not a huge fan of people and I'm still not a huge fan of people, but, um, that opening title, how it transitions into people, I was like, oh, they've got something here because I love the fact that it starts so calm, so smoothly as in, all right, here it is. We really need you to realize that we're destroying the world and, to be kind to the world and be kind to each other and then the second track is like wake up wake all of up. you idiots don't you realize that we're all like doing this incorrectly and it's very much just like a wake up call it wakes you up to the rest of the album because they're like yeah there's issues going on and you need to be aware of them we can try to sugarcoat them for you but if you don't hear it the first time we're gonna have to put on caps locks to let you know you know and i think that's a really interesting juxtaposition on the album and barack obama yeah what and barack obama <laughs> <laughs> do you think barack obama is a 1975 fan yeah yeah i think i think the sound or somebody else was like on his playlist one year or something. okay that's cool oh, that's awesome yeah, um, Obama has a really fire, like, he always puts his best albums and movies of the year at the end of the year, and they're always all, like, incredibly good, and I'm just waiting for the day he makes a music board and a letterbox to count. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> it's happen. what I do! Yeah. We actually brought him up the last episode, because the last episode's about boyhood, you know? And, uh, he one time stated mm -hmm. that his favorite movie was boyhood, and that's, we respect that, that's good taste. Ah. Yeah. I would have loved for his favorite movie to be End of Evangelion. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's like, um, my favorite movie of all time is Wolf Children. You know, like, that young boy Shinji. I like him. <laughs> he seems like a Paddington 2 guy. <laughs> There's one thing I gotta say about Obama. Alright, say it. 
That's right. all I get. <laughs> That's yeah. all I get is immediate. All right. All right. This this go out. Go out and say it. We're waiting. I want to hear this take. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, 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 oh, it, no, it's not worth it. It's not, Skip it's, ahead. it's not worth it. <laughs> cut this, cut this. <laughs> All right, this is at a minute and 31 seconds. <laughs> not a Wait, minute, uh, an hour. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, have you not been recording? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Oh, something uh, 1975 we could talk about is the progression of Maddie's lyrics. Okay. Okay, let's get all this real quick. I feel like he's definitely progressed. Some people think in a bad way, and some people think in a good way. I'm kind of both. Because uh, I've listened to like a lot of the early EP stuff, and there's a lot of really deep lyrics on there. Like every single line is specifically there. It specifically means something. And then hearing stuff like that, uh, or something like, uh, from Haunt Bed. Like I'm sorry that your dad's dead. I hope you amend it. I've lost a lot of my friends through belief that I'm an instrument. Going from that to something like, in Roadkill, where like I feel like my tucked up erection is putting pressure all over my head. Like that's, that's goofy. Like. Yeah, he's just playing a little bit. <laughs> and I feel like there's a lot of that on the new album. Like, um, isn't there a lyric that's like, I've got to miss this so there can't be any kisses or something? I've got to miss this so there can't be any kisses. Yeah. It, yeah. They definitely kind of get goofier. Yeah. I think notes is just him having fun especially that first half is like him having fun um and i mean i don't know yes i think the in the beginning the songwriting was absolutely beautiful and poetic and i think maybe that's gone away a tad bit but i think that's not him regressing in any way i think that's him for for this song this needs to sound this way so i think um i think woman uh antichrist um yeah like haunt bed uh even so far it's all right has some of my favorite like uh, uh, uh pieces of music that they've that they've uh put together uh, and then yeah you go into birthday party and it's just a conversational piece mm-hmm. um but i think i think he's just doing it in a different way i don't think it's like i i don't think it's bad in any way i think it is just i, I think i think maybe their best written song is paris i can agree with that i think that is some of the best wordplay I've maybe heard in any song ever um, how it's conversational but it is still poetic and maybe notes doesn't have that because it's not 
it's not the time to sugarcoat things or say things in a certain way, but I think you kind of just have to say them as they are. But I do think, I do hope that when Maddie like makes his solo album that it is kind of like that beginning stuff where it is just him his guitar and his thoughts and his like poetic thoughts more and you feel like mm. you are writing you are reading a poetry book and if you wrote this song down it would work as a poem um i don't think you can say the same thing for like uh people but i think you can say the same thing for like frail state of mind um and a few other songs on that album uh yeah playing on my mind i mean yeah i think there's a few of them on there jesus christ 2005 is another great one um but even then that one was written a while ago um yeah but i mean yeah his progression as a songwriter i mean he still has it and he still has that side of him like uh, i know he did whenever australia was having the wildfires early in the year he did a charity show in melbourne um and it was just him an acoustic guitar a green couch and a lamp and he was just on stage with a small crowd and he would and he sang like a bunch of stuff he doesn't sing at all um so like woman was on there and like a lot of his like really sentimental pieces Mm -hmm. um and it's just it i think that was where i was like okay this guy is still here he's still in this mind uh state of mind um it's just he has to it's a band you know it's it's a collective piece it's not about him sometimes that makes sense yeah i think maybe so i listen to this podcast called blank check with griffin and david um there's no way they're watching this but shout out um and they do retrospective series on directors and where they kind of fall or where they get the opportunity to make what they want to make and if that makes them stronger or weaker um they did a retrospective series on tim burton and i've almost listened to that whole thing and uh griffith had said something very interesting that i think might also contribute to the shift that the 1975 is taking i'm not going to say that it's better or worse i think a lot of people can agree that tim burton has become a much worse filmmaker in the last decade than he was in the 90s and um tim burton was a very tortured soul obviously he uh kind of was a sad kid in his childhood you know his best friend got hit by a car his little dog and that kind of inspired the tone of his films and he's forever had a blank check because batman ended up being one of the most successful movies ever made yada 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 he can make whatever he wants but tim burton's like now happily married and has kids and has his life and his movies have become much more optimistic and that makes him a whole lot less interesting and i think maybe in a certain regard i don't know if maddie's necessarily happy but i feel like he is happier now where he's at and there is a bit more of a there's not there's less cynic cynicism 
sorry, I can't speak today. Cynicism with his work now, I think. it's He hasn't lost the edge, but it's definitely like, it is more giddy. You know, does that make sense? I think that makes sense. I feel like it, it may not even be a sense of happiness, but also um, his sobriety. I feel like definitely whenever he started becoming sober, that's when his songwriting started changing more. So, I mean, it makes sense why it'd be more giddy because he's more happy, he's happier with life. And potentially stuff like me where he's got lyrics like, I was thinking about killing myself, don't you mind? Maybe that's either too... He doesn't feel that way anymore or either it's something he does feel but he doesn't want to go down that past again because it could relate to something else. Another great example of what you said with uh, Tim Burton is probably Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Listening to, like, uh, his 90s stuff, uh, to me, up to Adore, or even a little bit of Machina, uh, it's some of the most melancholic and beautiful music. But now that he's happy, and he's got money, and he's got a kid, and everything like that, his music's less interesting, because it's not the, like, aggressive angsty type of I'm sad and don't know what to do with myself it's more just like normal music and because of that their ratings have just gone down down and down and to me their music's a lot less interesting Yeah, I don't feel like that's the same extent to Maddie because his music's still obviously interesting but I feel like it's definitely changed him lyrically and structurally because Adore, he literally, um, Billy Corkin literally made Adore whenever he was dealing with, was it the death of one of his parents or in a divorce? Like, I think it was lot. both. Yeah. Both? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Because that is a very sad album. But mm-hmm. also, what's so interesting about that, you can see the progression between, um, Melancholy and Siamese Dream, which are much oh, yeah. more just like grunge. But also, like, you know, he even noted one time that 1979, he thinks it's just a rip on New Order. And then people, like, loved it because it sounded different from anything else he'd ever made. And mm-hmm. you can definitely tell that there's this kind of excitement in those albums. And in Adore, it's just a lot more blissful. It's a lot more, like... I don't... I was going to say Bob dylan but that's not the correct... That's not what I'm actually thinking, but it is a lot more cerebral. I, I don't know. I don't have that word, but it's definitely a departure. And you can definitely see that departure within the 1975 as well, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you can... Uh, yeah, there's always a, the, that point in a band like uh, The Smiths and Morrissey. Mm-hmm. He just made boring music after the smiths because he was doing okay again and he wasn't a poor guy anymore um who else was it was i thinking of uh you got the smiths you got robert um, robert smith of the cure robert smith of the cure yeah like it's they're they're very interesting stuff is kind of this this point where you they're feeling the same way but for some reason they just kind of I don't know but I think I, it, Maddie apparently I just found an article that his mom said that he's working on a solo project right now um, and you know the 1975 have a 
song with be a badoo be I might have <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah after her album the, there's gonna be some collaboration there huh, with them cool. and like I'm stoked for that yeah but I think I think also the 1975 is a project of these four guys uh Matty Healy Adam Hahn George Daniels and why am I blanking? Ross McDonald's. Ross, Ross McDonald's. One of oh, McDonald. Uh, oh, Ross. Um, yeah. That little rascal. But uh, <laughs> those. <laughs> I don't know why that got those... me. <laughs> those those four guys. This is just a project of theirs, and as they continue to move on, they're going to make other projects. Uh, George is obviously going to make his solo project. Maddie's going to make his solo project. They are going to continue to work on the 1975. They're going to start Drive Like I Do again. I mean, there are two Drive Like I Do songs that came out on Spotify out of nowhere. Um, and which kind of was very shocking uh, when I found that. But yeah, I didn't know that. Drive Like I Do. Drive Like I Do is, is on Spotify, I think, still. I hope. I think. I need to re- I need to check this. <laughs> I need to check this because I, I think so. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. It's I apologize for my computer beeping, by the way. I can't hear any of it. Yeah, it's not on uh, there anymore. What? Huh. This is a really weird, weird side tangent. It has nothing to do with the 1975. I just wanted to shout it out because I'm freaking out right now. Uh, Robert Bennett. If you guys don't know who Robert Bennett is, he is the winner of the Jim Henson Creature Shop season one, the only season of that show, right? And he is a he's a creature design workshop. He also worked on some Disney park attractions, and he played um, the sidekick of Ned on um, Earth to Ned that's on Disney Plus right now. He actually designed the model of the sidekick. I only bring this up because he just followed me on Instagram and is liking my posts. That's all I wanted to say. The 1975. <laughs> Good job, Ned. <laughs> Ned Big B. We here for you, Ned. Ned. Earth so I guess going back, I guess going back to what you were saying. So, do you see their early stuff as more of them as a band, and their newer stuff as more of them being a project? No, I think I think our view on what what the difference between a project and a band is is kind of odd. it's weird now because um like i think i think what it was was in the beginning they started as a band because that was kind of that wasn't all they wanted to do but that was like what their goal was at that point but as they got older they realized oh we want to make a movie 
we want to do solo things. Uh, Maddie realized he wanted to paint. Um, they want to just be artists, and as you grow, you kind of learn that about yourself. Um, and I think that's just kind of what happened. Um, so I th yeah, maybe as it kind of went along, it just be it was this project. I think maybe once the first album came out, because they started building this this aesthetic. Going mm -hmm. back to that, like this this thing that kids just flock to because it was this idealistic view of the of the ugly of the world and a lot of kids felt like that um and wanted to go somewhere where they felt safe and i think the 1975 1975 made that place for them so it it is kind of just this project but i i'm yeah i'm 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 not I guess then it would be I'm a fan of these four people and I'll follow them wherever they go uh, if the 1975 ever ends or whatever it's a um, there was another article that Maddie was talking about I think this was with Zane Lowe on like an Apple interview he just said like it's an ever uh, evolving project so it's gonna like continue kind of feels like talking heads where David Byrne started kind of going off and doing his own thing, but he always would come back to Talking Heads. Um, Except for now, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. eventually. It's, but That's a whole like, thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the Rolling Stones is a good uh, thought, maybe. I guess. They just kind mm -hmm. of went off and did their own thing and they continue to play shows together and they still like each other's company from, I think I think if I'm thinking of the right um, mm -hmm. band but yeah um, I don't know I just I love their thing mm -hmm. their way of thinking well I think yeah and I agree with that I think the David Byrne point is interesting in the fact that I kind of see Maddie Healy someday as being this David Byrne type of type of figure because David Byrne is very much he he's almost adopted in this line of culture this warm Mr. Rogers type of feeling but then people who've worked with him and talked to him also say he can be alienating he can be kind of prudish sometimes you know but an American Utopia, he kind of, like, years later after the height, came back to Broadway just to tell people, um, look, I know a lot of you think we're screwed, but we're on a road to nowhere. There's a lot of opportunity that's going to come from that. And, like, that's absolutely, like, what we needed right now. And I feel like Maddie is going to be there in his career someday at this point where he'll be this older guy and he'll just go places and kind of be like, hey, um, I'm a, kind of a nihilist, but I've also figured out how to find hope through that, you know? And I think he's that evolution is showing at this moment. So it'll be interesting to follow them yeah. as a band. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is such a great time to be around while these guys are happening right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's do some final thoughts because we're almost two, two hours on this thing, you know? Um, we've been having a lot of good discussion, though. So Bye. final thoughts? I like the 1975. 
Whoa, I had no idea. They're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, they're almost as good as Weezer. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh-huh. Rivers Cuomo <laughs> versus <laughs> Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really good uh, SNL sketch about Weezer, and it's like, the top comment is like, this is such an alienated sketch for like such a small group of people. <laughs> it's all just Re- Weezer references and two Weezer fans. It's like, oh, I love Weezer. <laughs> and then this one person that's like an actual like, but he like loves all of their stuff. And one like uh, Weezer fan that's like, they're nothing good since like Pinkerton. And they just start having a fight. It's actually like a really good sketch. And I just learned funny. about it, but. Uh, hot take a hot take none of it's good except for maybe the blue album has some moments (laughs) the white album is fantastic Um, have you heard their music for cars too (laughs) Weezer's music for cars too (laughs) music for cars Um, my final thoughts, um, yeah, I mean, the 1975 will continue to be one of my favorite bands, unless they get canceled or do anything terrible, um, but fingers crossed, you know, you never know with these boys, uh, but yeah, I I think they are one of the most inter- they're the most interesting band right now and it's going to be very exciting to see where they go from here um cuz yeah i mean uh, what a great time to kind of talk about them because we are in this point where we have no idea what's going to happen with them mm-hmm. um and we're just kind of waiting now for new news of some sort um of what's next um because notes kind of came and left really quickly which was odd i mean not odd but i think it kind of hindered its popularity because of the year it came out in um but they're a very timely band and they're always there when you need them and i yeah they're my favorite band of all time yeah um and I mean I agree with a lot of the same um, sentiments um, I've loved this band for a very long time did I just say sentiments <laughs> sentiments you did but also I was thinking of I, I agree with what Ben said <laughs> pretty good <laughs> <laughs> and I also agree with Tyler's um, lovely elegant speech um <laughs> And I also agree that the <laughs> I also agree that the Weezer bit was was probably funny. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I'm sure it was great. <laughs> but it's probably all right. Like, I guess the best way. Oh, right, go ahead. I like. I don't even know what I was gonna say. Ben, you can go. <laughs> I was gonna. Okay. S- I was going to say my opinions for the 1975 can be summed up that I wear a 1975 necklace every single day. Yeah. Don't know what that means, but all right. We sell like (laughs) necklaces for the little rectangle logo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wear one of those. 
Um, I have a tattoo on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's got an ass tat of Nate thirty-five. Yeah, it's 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 a picture of a uh, Maddie's face. And then, Maddie owns my ass. And then he has, and he's wearing wheelies, so it's Maddie wheelies. Final thoughts, Brett. <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts on the 1975 I am just excited that this group exists something you mentioned about is like I hope they don't get cancelled I feel like Maddie's already gone cancelled like three times since they've been a band yeah yeah but (laughs) for no reason I mean sometimes for some reasons because he can be a little uh, much at times but we appreciate that um, silly, silly curly-haired boy. <laughs> oh. Nothing a little apology won't fix. Yeah, it's not like he... listen. He's not. He's not. He's not a Ansel Elgort, so I'm all right. He's not a Morrissey. I was about he's to say that. Yeah. Well. Or a No Gallagher. No Gallagher. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Oh. Um, <laughs> no Gallagher, the man who never wants to go to Arkansas again. <laughs> <laughs> we saw him in Arkansas opening for Smashing Pumpkins, and he was like, Thank you, Arkansas. No offense, but I'm never going to come back here. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and the best was there was this guy in the back. That oh, was like yeah. screaming and crying, you being like, "I love you, No Gallagher, please marry me, bear my children." <laughs> so like he was in tears the entire yeah. time, just screaming his eyes out. It was amazing. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. <laughs> oh man! And then there was also AFI, but whatever. <laughs> but no one wants to talk about that. No, <laughs> no. Um, they were. They honestly, it was a ten out of ten concert, and. It was nine and a half because AFI performed. I'm sorry, that was mean. AFI, if you're listening to this. Say it with your chest. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny, though, because right before the show, the management was coming around. It's like, finally, somebody with an AFI shirt. And it was like the end of like the 300 people line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We, We stand AFI. Final thoughts. Okay. Oh yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, especially because audition just told me that like I'm low on disc space. So, um, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, nineteen seventy-five is a band that I think is very interesting and contributes a lot of really interesting things to the music genre. I don't. I, but I can't speak right now. But I think they contribute a lot to people's overall lives who listen to them. I think their albums provide a sort of escapism that some of the best movies I've ever seen do. It's they capture you with this warm aesthetic of like a warm blanket, even though their songs can be so sometimes nihilistic and cold they all seem to be I guess what I'm trying to say is that they all seem sincere and I guess the 1975 feels like a really sincere band and the fact that they really are in it to make good art 
and even with their shiny collarbones it really does seem like they're wanting to do something you know so like I appreciate that out of an artist and I think we live in a world where so many musical artists are only looking for what's going to be radio friendly what's going to sound clean and cut and what's going to play really well at a um tj maxx at two in the afternoon type of sound and that's really ruined music i guess for me in the last decade it's just the fact that it all sounds so vanilla and Mm. i don't really see the 2010s having a a cultural sound like the 90s did or the 80s did or the 70s did and i feel like the 1975 was that mirror vision of what should have been the 2010 sound that we didn't get Mm. you know so that's that those are my final thoughts and that wraps up another episode of workshopping humanity um so first so now we're going to talk about places you can find these boys at so tyler um where can people find you uh yeah you can find me um on instagram uh it's tybini t-y-b-i-n-i um i also have a letterbox and music board i i think my letterbox is just Tybini as well, um, and then I think my letter, my music board is Redhead. Yeah. Uh, all one word. Um, it's amazing that you yeah, got that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, and uh, this is our youth. Is a film. Um, not much is really out about it, um, but yeah, that's coming out in December. Uh, and oh this comes out on the 6th right yeah this comes out the same day same day as the season two opener of a sit down uh we are talking who framed roger rabbit um (laughs) what's funny it's me you and ben daniel so it's a different ben but it's still (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this was like we recorded that episode a while ago yeah a month or two ago so um before we really even knew what the season was about but um, Mm i'm very excited about what the season's going to be about and all about learning and uh bettering ourselves as movie viewers and people in general um and Mm -hmm. we're coming back with another 13 episodes oh i also uh very soon we'll have another podcast called the 11 o'clock number uh Mm -hmm. where brett is going to be on that first episode talking about little shop of horrors yeah Um, i don't have an exact date just yet for that but uh definitely in the month of november i apologize for my audio being so low on that (laughs) (laughs) um Um, something i wanted to bring up briefly i i might as well say it here i was gonna tell talk to you about this like after because i think it's interesting i i envision this workshopping humanity podcast to be like kind of about the personal and psychological aspects of what art means to someone and kind of what it means in the broader sense of the world and a sit down seems to be a good contrast because it's going into a more we discuss what it means on a worldview and in a more political sense and i feel like it's a cool juxtaposition of that so the fact they come out on the same day is kind of interesting i didn't even think about doing that and then all of a sudden i was like oh i'm releasing one friday yeah sit down's going to release on friday as well but i hope uh people listen to them both (laughs) and uh yeah it's a good first episode yeah and i think another thing that's really interesting so our episode two is do the right thing right yeah yeah 
we were good. We we're supposed to record it a while back, but you know, things happened, but I think it'll end up having an entirely new conversation once we figure out what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll yeah, be a really just, interesting conversation. Which is going to be interesting because we'll be doing that episode after the election. Yeah. And, um, and if you have yeah, never seen I, Do the Right Thing, that is a very um, political movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, even like with This Is Our Youth uh, being based on a Kenneth Lonergan play, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a play just about like three, three white kids, very privileged, and it's, it's, the idea is it's about three months before you give up drugs. Uh, that like weird time, weird day where you just kind of give up that. And so it's been very interesting with me doing all these projects that are very much about like looking inwards and um, understanding what you can do yeah. to help, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it's also cool. I know that we're also working on a project together right now too, but that's still kind of an early talk. Yeah. So it should be good stuff. It should be a good time. And then Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at blue underscore ace eighty six, and you can find my band Prismatics on Instagram, Prismatics Official, and we are releasing an EP in January. We just released a music video for our first single, Outside Looking, and we have a new single and music video coming soon for Every Smiling Thing. The first music video slaps a lot. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you know I'm a sucker for silhouette shots. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool stuff. And thank you guys for tuning in. Um, next week's Workshopping Humanity, we're going to have... Um, Dan Asbell on. He's actually one of the producers at um, Geminis Films. And we're going to be talking about 8th grade. So 